looking at? The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Hey, Discovering Trek listeners, Sarah and Casey here, and this is Discovering Trek Enterprise. Welcome. To the first frontier, we two hoarders of the best grub in the commissary are back to chit-chat about yet another episode of Enterprise. This is the first full series watch-through for Sarah, and it's a rewatch for me. Today, oh, we're chatting about episode 10, Fortunate Son. This episode originally showed up on the airwaves or on your cable box 20 years ago on November 21st, 2001. So, if you haven't watched episode 10... I'm not sure what to tell you because we're going to spill <laughs> the frack out of this episode. Yeah. So you know what? Put us on pause. Go for Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime or Netflix or your Blu-rays or DVDs. Watch episode 10. Then come on back here and listen to us get into the nitty gritty. That's it. We hope you enjoyed our non-warning spoiler warning. I love it. Before we get into discussing Fortunate Son, we want to remind you that we like to hear from our listeners about their thoughts on everything Enterprise. So how can you all get in touch with us? What are your thoughts on the first season of Star Trek Enterprise? Well, you know what, Sarah, since we welcome our guests, questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, anything. Anything. So, Deepest secrets. Know- Ooh, that would be great. Tell us your secrets. We'd have them forever. (laughs) But if you, dear listeners, if you want to send us a message, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and find a variety of ways to give us your thoughts. Twitter, Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. I still offer the Raven option, but gosh, so far, no takers. Zero, none. Maybe you try Owl. But you don't know Harry Potter references, so you wouldn't get it. But I don't, they use I don't. owls. And who would do it? <laughs> oh, people. You come here for Trek, Trek and comedy. Oh my God. <laughs> so you'll probably only get one. <laughs> you, can all, you can leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and click on the big blue button. Remember, though, any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Mm-hmm. What shade of blue is that big blue button? What would you call it? Uh, I would call it honest blue. Because mm-hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it like a is it like a smurf blue or is it a Starfleet blue? Starfleet, Starfleet blue. medical blue. Sky blue. Blue in the face. I don't know. Awesome. Just you know, blueberry. Could be mm. any of them. Blueberry. Speaking you of know, blueberry, <gasps> no did we way. just segue into pie and not even mean to? Wow. <laughs> we're getting good at this. Mm, or we're getting it. worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give us good. Let's okay. we'll be positive for ourselves this week. Woo. I love it. I gave this episode out of six slices of pie. I gave it four 
And I say, mm. this was an okay episode. It had some boring moments. It kind of felt slow, but I enjoyed the Mayweather time we got and the introduction of the naughty, naughty Norsekins. The Norsekins. Ah, I hear you. I uh, concur. Gave four slices what? of pie with, with a little a la mode. Mm. And uh, the, the four slices and the a la mode basically are because of Mayweather. And the inclusion of that character basically leading, guiding, carrying this episode in mm. many ways. Yeah. I, I am very much looking forward to your uh, recap because I don't remember anything about this episode. My brain is tired <laughs> from studying for my final. And, I, and I'm walking into this being like, okay, I know I watched a couple episodes. I know I didn't hate them. But don't ask me if they were flying or dancing or you could really actually mess with me if you want. But please don't. I, I want your masterpiece of, of rhyme instead so that I can reacquaint myself with this fabulous show. Well, I'm stunned you didn't remember this was the first all musical episode. God, In black Sarah. and white. Yeah. Who, who hasn't been paying attention? Oh, my gosh. Well, Well, here you go. Hopefully... This lyrical <clears throat> masterpiece <clears throat> helps you out. So here we go. By the end of this rhyme, you'll know who is the one. This episode revolves around someone as the fortunate son. Admiral Forrest has an early morning message. He seems kind of dour. Archer reacts with his normal mix of gruff and sour. A freighter attacked by Nausikins is in distress. The Enterprise is ordered to help with the mess. After they dock at an unbelievably absurd angle, Travis, Archer Reed, and the Doctor help. They do dangle. <laughs> First Officer Ryan is squirrely, barely accepting aid, his stubbornness clear. He's fidgety and on the edge that the Enterprise crew is still here. A Nausicaan prisoner is secretly held in Module 4 amongst barrels. He needs to give up shield codes. His life is in dear peril. Mayweather and Ryan tour Enterprise, talk life and what it takes. They chat about food, family, and responsibility while Ryan mows down his steak. <laughs> Ryan tries to get to Travis to question decisions he's made, telling him maybe his parents lied and wished Travis had stayed. While Phlox attends the injured captain, repairs are scored. Tapal assists in hide-and-seek and also finds a different biosign aboard. The Nausicaan is still a prisoner, and they won't let him go until he gives up S.H.I.E.L.D. information that they need to know. Archer threatens to pull the repairs in a threatening speech. The fortunate crew tricked them into a firefight and then caused an air breach. The fortunate attacks Enterprise with surprise and a cannon blast. The freighter barely escapes a torpedo from Reed by moving super fast. <laughs> Archer and Mayweather have a serious heart-to-heart is there any place a person isn't a human being or is it always there from the start? The fortunate foolishly fires on one of the pirate ships causing minimal harm. The enterprise arrives just in time and Archer turns on his charm, but it's Mayweather with a stirring speech and truths that they know that convinces Ryan to let the Nausicaan go with no Starfleet jurisdiction. Ryan gets punished by purging pumps. Captain's Archer, and Keen talk changes coming and all of the bumps. As I promised earlier, I would identify the one. Our young navigator on the Enterprise is definitely a fortunate son. 
Nice. That was not only fantastic, but it was like lengthy and full of so much information. I totally remember this episode now and I did like it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I wasn't just lying about my pie. <laughs> See? Yeah. Excellent. Well, we got through it and this gave you the, you know, recap of what's going on and get you to start. What do you do? I think you think. Mm. And what do you have? What What do you have, Sarah? Um, I don't know. I mm. don't think I have much. Okay. I, to be fully honest, I don't know if I wrote anything out of transport thoughts, but this is all you. Well, I can start us and you sure. can, we could go through because yeah. I, I think you wrote half and I wrote half and I just can't remember which one I was did which. But okay, let's let's dive into transporter thoughts. Yes, please. Okay. Cargo ships. All right. Yeah. Do we get much of these in other series? I think I asked this question. I think this is, is one that I wrote because this is one you yeah. Because this was obviously a very heavy cargo ship episode. Right. We don't see a lot of them in I mean, maybe in D Space Nine, there's always different ships docking at the space station. But True. I'm guessing because the technology is so much better, a lot of stuff is being beamed all over places or just replicated other places. Mm-hmm. Um, Discovery definitely touches on that kind of lifestyle because, you know, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, that last season we saw our good uh, <laughs> leading gal there kind of uh, doing some work similar. Similar. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, I think this is a... From what I can remember with all the series, this is the first one that kind of really decides to dive in and make, you know, make that the the big A plot of a series uh, episode. You know, I would like to see, because, you know, we don't have enough Star Trek series anymore. There's just, Trek is off TV, apparently. There's no series. There's we need nothing. some new ones. Oh. So can we get a ragtag group of people that are, not Starfleet. I mean, I feel like Picard's kind of cool. doing that. And I really, you know, but it's got a big Starfleet element to it because it's Picard. But mm-hmm. I really like that he's got this like motley crew of people. And I think that would be a really cool series to do. It doesn't matter what time frame, like it could be Deep Space Nine or right after or around that. I don't know. It could be anytime. But I think it would be really cool to see them going from like planets yeah. that we know and are familiar with. And yeah. Well, maybe maybe we get something like that in Prodigy that's going to be coming out. So yeah. um, we might be able to see on that. Mm. And if we dive on that, you know, okay, humans, are are they supposed to adhere to all the same rules? Mm. All similar code of ethics? Yeah, that's right. I asked that question too. Because that's a big thing that Archer and Starfleet are always doing is like, well, we have our, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. What is it called? The um, Prime Directive. And we have to, you know, go forth as ambassadors Uh of Earth and be a certain way. But it's like, well, is that like. (laughs) Well, and then I think what you're talking about, because like Archer's thinking about this and they they don't have the official one yet. Like, it's so. You know, making stuff up on the spot of how involved do we get, do we not get, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I kind of go, are, are are my ethics somebody else's ethics? And mm-hmm. if this is, you know, if they're hauling freight and getting attacked all the time, mm-hmm. and have, as they say, 
tiny puny weapons that really can't do anything, then how they would handle a situation I think would be dramatically different than how a Starfleet vessel would. Yeah. I also think that this, I think the reason that I was thinking about this is because one thing that's always irked me about Star Trek was a comment made in the movie First Contact, where they talk a little bit about like, well, once Earth had first contact, Earth was reunited in a way they never thought possible. And within a generation or two, there was no famine. And I'm just like, that's mm. never going to happen. Yeah. It's never going to happen because we're horrible people. Like just knowing humans as we are now, that'll never happen. We are going to rape and pillage each other mm-hmm. always. And no alien is going to be able to save us. I really think. And so when I watch it, I'm like, mm, no, that's like the most unbelievable part of the whole series to me is that humans <laughs> could be good. I'm like, transporters are real. Uh, holodecks could be real. All of it's believable, except for the fact that we could probably come together as a planet one day. I just as don't see it. <laughs> I know I would be willing to, and I think a lot of people in the Star Trek uh, fandom would be more than happy to, because we mm-hmm. all embrace this life, this this culture and this story and this idea. But there's a lot of uh, dinks out there. I'll just say that might ruin I, it. I hear you. I mean, yeah. think about it. If I think it was earlier or late last week, something that there was some recognition of a UFO sighting. That the government said, yeah, we're, we're not exactly sure what it is. And people are going, oh, it's, you know, it's some deep secret government experiment they're working on. And other people going, no, they're actually getting us ready to say, hey, there are aliens we've known for a while. And they're just trying to spoon feed it. Yeah. And then who knows around the world what the reaction to that will be. Mm-hmm. And then we go through all the stuff of, okay, how were the pyramids made again? And how did they do all and stuff? And it's just like, mm. It's going to be mandatory watching of ancient aliens for all classrooms. and uh, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah. I also like what you're talking about that, you know, Starfleet has no jurisdiction on mm-hmm. the freighters. Um, and it seems in this episode that uh, Archer and Ryan, they're both kind of, hotheads about this and neither of them are completely correct or incorrect Mm -hmm. but but there's a definite middle ground and you know be nice if they can find that a little easier without i mean really ryan basically tries to kill them with Mm. causing the air breach and you know then again at the end archer's like you know invited by the other captain hey have a drink with me and i'd be talking to the captain go hey your guy tried to kill us yeah. You know, what if for some reason our ship wasn't able to get us, come over and get us off of that module? We would have died. So this is, it's a, a very interesting type of thing. But I enjoyed that the mm-hmm. Starfleet people had their hands tied. Yeah. And like, okay, got to be creative when doing it. As we brought up before, Nausikins, not a lot of play in Trek. Not a lot of play in Trek. You're right. Very much so. I mean, all I know about Nausicans is that wasn't that the fight that Picard got in that got him that fake heart thing or whatever? Like that was. Yep, you got it. That's you're, about it. You're dead on. Has there has there ever been a Nausicaan in? I'm doing a rewatch of Deep Space Nine right now. I don't remember seeing Nausicaans in Deep Space Nine. Maybe in an episode briefly, and oh, I, Voyager I wouldn't you. have them because Voyager's off in a mm-hmm. whole other land um yeah, yeah. I, I go i i liked that they used this species 
because yeah. it wasn't used much. Um, yeah. And I found it amazing that once again, everybody speaks standard. <laughs> I think we just need to like, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. And so they do. Um, I was jazzed. We had a Porthos sighting Aww. in this episode. Whenever, Not enough. whenever there's a pupperino, it's like, excellent. And then, you know, certain things like talking about things. I, I see that they're starting to, to work to try and um, world build. And, you know, specifics we can get into in, in, in a few later episodes because it really starts happening. But I can see where, and I've seen this with other series, where about this time frame, they start doing little things to refer back to episodes. So you're in, you know, episode 10, 11, 12 range where they start doing to kind of build or artificially build a history. Right. That doesn't exist. And it's like, okay, I can see that coming up. Most definitely. But you know what I really see coming up? What's that? A lot of stuff in my basket for fan sets. Ooh. All right. Discovering Trek listeners, we want to thank our friends over at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek. The Fansets crew are always working to put out the best product available and continue to come up with new designs and product releases. There are more great new products out right now. There's, of course, the TNG character and ship pins, pins from all the series, super cool Delta pins, Picard episode pins, and, of course, some amazing non-Trek items like Wonder Woman 84, DC Comics, Scooby-Doo, and Batman 66. There are tons of pins and accessories for you at fansets.com, so right after listening to us, or if you can multitask and you're listening with headphones and you can get into your laptop, go to fansets.com, scroll along all the amazing pins offered, and then load up your cart and enter our special discount code. It's discovering Trek. It's in caps. There's no spaces. And you do that at checkout and you get 10% off your entire order. And if you're in the US and you spend more than 30 buckaroos, you also get some free shipping. Nice. Yeah. Fan sets. Our pins have character. And you know what? We thank our fan friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Wait, wait, wait. Awesome. <laughs> hey, I'm not sure what Hi. that is. It, it could be an electrical fire. It could be burnt toast. <laughs> it could be something, but chef, chefs, something's happening. Yeah, we got a special today. I think we do. Mostly plastic. Man, in the, the commissary. Yeah. And speaking of the commissary, all right, the steaks that <laughs> chef makes for everybody, still enormous. American sized. That's what I call that. That's it was I was laughing so hard when I saw you, that. You you folks, I I I have learned a lesson years ago. Anytime when Brad and I are traveling to the US, we always share a meal <laughs> because the portions are ridiculous. I mean, we get our money's worth, no complaints, but man oh man. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of food. May, and also on this, like, you know, it's stated that, you know, Chef was a wanted commodity, mm. stays really busy. I'm wondering if Chef is bringing in the gochujang for mm. stuff and different mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm. Um, but in that in that commissary scene with Ryan and Travis, boy, the Travis character building, you know, it's about like, time. Right. Right, we get like strong, full minutes with and he's, Travis. Yeah, and and 
in a way, he's kind of the most interesting character they got. They would, they, mm-hmm. like, you'd think that they would be bringing in more conversation of him with the rest of the crew because I know if I was a Starfleet officer on my first mission, one of the first big ones, I'd be talking to this guy who's got all these years of experience being out there and seeing things. And that the, those people are the ones that are going to have way more experience with meeting up with different types of people in different situations and knowing how to get out of it, as opposed to Starfleet yeah. with their like stiff collars and like Vulcans on their shoulder. Exactly. I'd be mining this person for information. Um, I had read that when they originally starting everything they were going to make Travis and uh, Reed the the same level. So I think they were both going to be lieutenants, but they said, oh, well, Travis is younger, so we'll we'll make him an ensign. But, you know, the the knowledge that this character has, the things this character has gone through, and everything, thoughtful, energetic, problem-solving, Showing, you know, multiple possibility thinking. Yeah. And he's thrilled to be out here mm-hmm. and, and checking stuff out. And the, the difference between Travis' character and that first officer, Ryan, was really, then this is why I called him the fortunate son, because, you know, Travis's family wasn't killed. Unfor- you know, unfortunately for first officer Ryan, his, his were. Yeah. And you can see the difference of being supported by family and going through all of that. And, you know, Ryan just kind of being a, a jerk through the entire episode. Yeah, just a bit. And laying the little uh, stuff on him like, oh, hey, are you sure your parents wanted you to go? And I was like, dirtbag move. Dirtbag yeah. move right there. Um and how did you how did you find the acting of this this guy? I don't know if he had like dentures or a partial <laughs> or something, but his pe- speech pattern was so stiff. For which character? The first officer Ryan. Okay, I'm just I'm looking up this person right now because I felt like there was a um, familiarity of of that person. So let me just get onto okay. the handy old Internet Movie Database right now. Well, uh, yeah. Listeners Check enjoy as I do this. Well, while you're first officer that out. Matthew Ryan. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I already found him. Oh yeah, he was in like Friday the Thirteenth and a bunch of stuff I don't know. Okay. episode of NCIS. Uh, uh, yeah, lots of stuff that's been done. I liked his character a lot. There was something about him that I found actually to be really like, I think it was well cast, but I didn't pick up on the the speech thing. I Now, it could be because I thought the other actor playing Shaw, who was mm. like Ryan's second command, was a more emotive act. Now, this could have just been an issue of the writing of what they're mm. giving for the first officer Ryan. Um, but it was, it was interesting to me of, you know, our first scene with, you know, Captain Keen and, and Ryan, they're throwing a football around and, and very, you know, jovial and light. And then through almost all of the rest of the episode, except for, you know, mystery meals saying at the same time as, as Travis, very weighed upon, yeah, and, and dark, and that could have been because he felt so bad that his captain wasn't in, in. I mean, he even asked Fox, you know, is he gonna die? 
So yeah, I thought, yeah, you should be accepting the help of, of Starfleet, even though if you don't want him around and you don't want him to know you have a prisoner. <laughs> I think it, I, I, I liked his character because it felt very much like the, um, you know, I'm the local here who's been, you know, mm. towing trucks down these roads and you guys are coming in and you don't think, you know, you're the new sheriff in town. And you think, you know, what's right. And it's like, it's that, it's that space cowboy. It's the outlaw, mm-hmm. the, our rules are our rules. And you could tell that this guy was the, the D bag bad boy wannabe who yep. was never going to have his own captain because he's a bit of a loose yeah. cannon. And he was just so excited to have the chance to like, be what he thought was the man in charge of the situation and he wasn't and i think it was played really well as just that super cocky but so not good at it like just yeah you know that over inflated ego that actually you don't really know a lot you know <laughs> you're just kind of an idiot like and lo- you're just a, a lot aggressive. of sheen, a lot of sheen and no depth yeah charlie it's- sheen Oh, well, there you go. Is that what she meant? No? No. She- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all, all, all shellac and varnish on the outside. Yeah. And it's like, can make something look really good. And then you look underneath and it's plywood. Totally. Like, oh, okay. Um, loved, loved the speech mm. by Mayweather that, you know, knocks, knocks the sense into Ryan and it's Mayweather talking and it's like, you're saying, Hey, here's another space trucker talking to a space trucker. Yeah. And it's like, I've been there. I've been through what you've done and, and been dealing with and think about people after this who yep. are still doing the same gig. Mm-hmm. It's just going to become more dangerous. You know, another episode here directed by hopefully the next permanent host of Jeopardy LeVar Burton. Oh, you know, if a Canadian can't take over, what was done well by a Canadian, I allow and welcome Mr. LeVar Burton. I would allow him into every aspect of my life. If he wants to deliver the local news, I welcome it. If he (laughs) wants to try and do like surgery because I have to get a new knee, I welcome him to attempt (laughs) it. He can do no wrong in my eyes. I love, love LeVar Burton. Wow, you are massively very trusting of the man to be (laughs) Surgery on your knees with no <laughs> pre-existing medical knowledge. He'll be able to do it. He's just so good at everything he does. <laughs> I trust that he can. <laughs> he can fly my plane. I don't care. Let's there do this. There you go. Well, yeah, he's you know another great episode directing wise. I love yeah. how oh, like yeah. during that speech he stays he stays on Travis. He keeps the camera on Travis. And there's I counted there's only four cutaways. Mm-hmm. While Anthony Montgomery is giving that speech yeah. and it's fantastic mm-hmm. and there's great camera movement and integrity there. And I was just like, you know, okay. Once again, there's certain things besides the story that are mm-hmm. lifting this episode up to, I think being, you know, a little bit more than it is, but it was still something nice to get a bit of history. We didn't know before take the emphasis off of the main three unquote quote unquote mm-hmm. and and give it to somebody else and I I'm like you know I love it keep mm-hmm. doing keep doing this yeah and it's funny because it makes me realize like 
do I secretly have a dislike for Starfleet and Starfleet officers? Because when I think about all these different episodes throughout the variety of series that I've enjoyed the most, it's when there's so much more focus on a character that's not Starfleet, whether it's Q Mm. or whether it's um, this episode or whether it's the Deep Space Nine, like really getting into the different, the the wars and the the Cardassians Mm -hmm. and the Majorans and like, yeah, I just, I think it's just because I like, I like to see, the good guy get challenged. And I think right. as somebody who is quite optimistic in, in the way I live my life, I'm optimistic realist where sometimes you got to be knocked in the head a little bit to be like, there is bad stuff out there. And sometimes mm-hmm. you need to like stop and smell the roses and realize there's a little bit of rot too. And you need to yeah. be on guard. And I think that that's what makes some of them, some of the best episodes, the best episodes is because you have, you take away from that, cookie cutter story yes. and you get something good and that was what was so much fun about this one is like yeah space is big and there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to make a living and trying to do right. an honest work and this is them and they don't want to be in starfleet but they want to be mm-hmm. in space it's no different than people who i have no concept of what it is to be in the military in in, in my country in any country and that's a lifestyle for mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of people and um yeah, so if if that was to be the future version of military is to be Starfleet, I, I don't think that I'd be in Starfleet. It's not really my thing, right? Like I'd be the I one gotcha. who's like, "Here's my restaurant still on Earth, and it's great." Yeah, you know, well, yeah. And like you're saying, when you're able to break out of writing for a Starfleet character, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot less rules. Mm-hmm. And things that you have to, well, you don't have to, but you are like strongly encouraged to yeah. abide by. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, have to, so you can get multidimensional characters that, you know, they're not fully good. They're not fully bad. They, there's all mm-hmm. these different shades of gray. And since they don't have to abide by certain rules, mm-hmm. you can mix it up storyline wise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that helps. Yeah. So that has made me think of an impromptu um, Enterprise Funhouse Sarah's Question Corner Ooh, coming at I, you right now. I like it. Okay. Let's say, let's say you were you walk out the door tomorrow in mm-hmm. your current house as your current person, and that door opens and you are boom in the Star Trek universe. What do you think you would end up doing with yourself? Like you can't come back. You're there. You just got zapped into the future somehow. What are you going to do? Where do you see yourself ending up? It could be any series. It doesn't have to be Enterprise. It could be. Okay. Are you aware that you used to be someplace or somebody else? Yeah. Like think of that TNG episode where they find the frozen people from Earth. And they're all kind of like, oh, I guess we're here now. Like, what do we do? I, if that happened, honestly, I think you would become or I would become somebody who decides, hey, I can give you a a living oral history of this period of time when I was alive because I can't offer you much of anything right now because of all the technology (laughs) being super crazy. But I can, I mean, you can interview me and I can go give lectures. You can do it rhyming. We could do it rhyming. Oh God, no, I don't, I don't, don't want to do that. <laughs> but you could do that as a historian slash expert, totally. however much you could be of, of that time frame, 
and actually be of of use and you know not feel completely you know like you know scotty after 75 years in the transport buffer is like yeah i'm a man at a time i'm a person at a time i don't belong anywhere but i i think that's where i would go to because psychologically i'd have to have some kind of purpose what about you after spending weeks probably in a hospital having all the chemicals removed from my body that are there from the world that we live in currently with our technology and Ah. our bad pesticide food Mm -hmm. i would probably find myself working at quarks (laughs) (laughs) there you go i would be like i need a bar to work at or something i can't wrap my brain around this i need something fun somebody help (laughs) but then i would secretly probably try to like learn everything i could from odo and be like security like law and order future. I could see you see, I could see you secretly entering like old school trivia contests. <laughs> yeah, right. And just, just you guys say, need some karaoke up in here. Hey, you know, this no. person really knows 20th and 21st century knowledge. Yeah. Making, making bank of latinum. Way to I would, go. I would treat. Deep Space Nine is like a cruise ship. And I'm like, do you have an entertainment organizer? <laughs> what can I do to we're yeah. doing Tiki Bar tonight? We're doing a theme every night. Well, see, there you go. That could be your, it, it's a fully immersive <laughs> night in the yeah. 20th century. And I would also, I would go to DS9 too. Let me That's introduce exactly you all to a show called The Office. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> <laughs> and just say that's what she said and like or take like an obscure music and be like oh i wrote this and it's like you know, oh. <laughs> steal all this old stuff and be like bears beats bajorans <laughs> like, uh. t-shirts for sale next to garrick's yeah that would be hot that would be mm-hmm. yeah i would like to be on there oh. uh, yeah i'm watching it and i'm just like god this show is like it's it took it took me 20 years like i i watched it a little bit and then i was like okay i'll force a full watch and then i was like this is a good show yeah okay i get it now i'm watching i'm just like i love it i I just finished watching the episode where they tried to steal the dax symbiont oh good one it's a yeah it's a great it's a great series and since you're you're working in the bar guess what you're in charge of closing time (gasps) missy all right that's the song i play at the end of the night when we're trying to close it. There you go. Wouldn't have to pay any rights for it because everyone's dead. Yes. All right. And that does it. That's our coverage on episode 10, Fortunate Son. We will be back next time chatting about episode 11, Cold Front, as we continue to celebrate the 20th anniversary year of Enterprise. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek. You just got to search for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. You can find us on Twitter, too. It's just at Discovering Trek. Super easy. I'm also on there as Trek Rewind. There you go. I'm also there as just Casey Shafsky. Pretty easy. Now, for everybody, hey, if you enjoy this here podcast and what we're doing on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you get access to the unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pins from Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt. Right now, we'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we thank them for their support. Producers are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, 
Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Tribuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Jess Vashon. The senior producer of Discovering Trek is Jude the Dude Tatman. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Until the next shipment arrives, toodle me Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Coconut!